Good morning, Bridge family. How are you doing? Well, you're looking good. You're sounding good. It is so great to be back with you. I, it's been a few years since I was here, and I always love the opportunity to be with my Bridge fam here in Virginia Beach. I think the Pastor Archie, Pastor Tangie, the angels that God set over this house are two of the most incredible people God ever put on the planet. To be around them, to know them is to love them. To be around them is to be transformed by the love that they show. Why don't you give your pastors a big hand with me? I love you guys. I love the whole family. I love you. Bridge family, and it's great. My wife got to be here with me for the first time. I've been coming here since we were in schools. The first time I came, we were in schools, and we I, I'll never forget. We had such a great time. My wife's never been able to be here, but it's great to have my wife here with me today. Yeah, give her a big And listen, in just a moment, we're going to pray. And my assignment this morning is to give you a word that I believe is for this season and this year. It's, it's not a word like now it's popular. Chris and I have been going and getting a word for the year for 25, 30 years. But now it's kind of popular to get a word. People are like, my word is precious. I'm just going to be precious. I'm just you know, I'm a precious person and I'm going to believe God for precious things. It's precious. I'm not talking about that. Even people that aren't Christians, like, they get a word for the year. I'm not talking a word about a word that comes to my mind from my intellect or my imagination, but I'm talking about a word that comes from heaven. I'm not talking about a slogan. I'm not talking about a motto. I'm not talking about just, just some guiding thought through the year. But I believe that God deposits something into our divine imagination, not my human or vain imagination. I believe that God can give us one word from Him that can change our year and change our life. So what I'm going to deposit today is not so much a sermon but I believe it's a word from heaven. It's not the only word. Listen, if you have a favorite prophet and, and they have a different word for the year, grab that one. That's fine. It's not just, it's not the word of the Lord. It's a word from the Lord. We know in part, we prophesy in part. So I'm just going to give you my part. Is that okay? All right. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, help me release this word. Amen. I'm the guy you want to have at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I just come to realize I'm, I'm, I'm about to turn. This month is my birth, birth month. This is my birthday month. And so, thank you. Thank you. My wife celebrates for a month, so I decided I could do the same thing. Actually, she turned 50 last year, and she said it's a year. She, she said she gets the whole year. So it went from a birthday to a birth month to a birth year. But hey, when you turn 50, you get privileges. So so I robbed the cradle. I'm not turning 50. 
I'm turning 57, and, and one thing I've learned in my 57 years on this planet is most people are clueless. <laughs> Dare I say ignorant. <laughs> we're, we're, we're clueless to what God is actually doing and what He wants to do in the earth, but I believe God wants to give us understanding. I believe He wants to give us insight, or you could say that God wants to give us intelligence. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need some intelligence. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, you really need some intelligence. <laughs> now, I'm not just talking about intelligence like being clever or being smart. I'm talking about intelligence in the sense of, 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 of spiritual intelligence in the sense of like intel. You know, this is a military community, and so you understand that in branches of government in the military, they have entire groups of people that all they do is gather what? Intel, Intel or intelligence. And I, I don't know if you remember, but, but David, when he ascended to the throne, there were, there were certain groups that, that, that wanted to bring what they had to the table. And, and, and in, in Chronicles, it lists these, all the 12 tribes and it tells what they brought. A couple of examples are Judah brought 6,800 armed troops. Simeon brought 7,100 mighty men of valor. Ephraim, 20,800 mighty men of valor. The half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 designated by name to serve David. Zebulun, 50,000 fit for service. From Dan, 28,600 prepared for battle. Asher, 40,000 fit for service. And then we get to this little group called Issachar. And there were 200. Everybody say 200. Now, I don't know about you. I wouldn't even mention it. Just, just leave that out. 200. And, 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 and all this list, 50,000, 28,000, 16,000, 7,000, 8,000, 200. couple hundred. What did they have that made them so special? <laughs> what did he say? He said airborne. <laughs> what they had is lined out. We see it. It's lined out in Scripture. And it's lined out right here if I can get my iPad to quit freaking out on me. It's in Scripture on my iPad. First Chronicles 12, 32. I, I think, guys, we may have my slides backwards, so you're at the end. Let's go back the other way. I think they, they may have come through to you guys backwards. So, so can we put up First Chronicles 12, 32? Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. So what's so special about the, these guys? They had understanding of the times and the seasons 
And they knew what Israel should do. So if you want Issachar intelligence, you need two things. You need to have an understanding of times and seasons, and you need to know what Israel should do. And I believe the church needs some more Issachar intelligence. We need some people who understand the times and the seasons, and they understand what to do. Listen, there are signs of the times, but the signs of the times are not what many people think they are. The times of the signs or interpreting signs is what's called semiotics. Pastor Archie and I are, are and my wife are all in a, di a doctoral cohort, and we are studying and getting our doctorate in semiotics. We're learning how to interpret signs. So, so Jesus told him, you look for a sign, but most of the disciples are, are, are says it this way, they're not in a, in a state of semiotic awareness. The church is not good at reading signs. People, people are preoccupied in reading signs. Most of the time are looking for one thing only. They're not looking for signs of our times, but they're looking for end time signs. Signs of the return of Christ. Signs of the latter days. Signs of the end days. By reading the signs of the time, we're referring to the signs of Jesus, uh, of, of God's Spirit's activity in the world. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because it couldn't see the sign of its visitation. And I believe right now that Jesus is weeping over America because we don't know what time it is. And we're getting our understanding of the time from blogs, conspiracy theories. Come on, can I get a witness up in here? Instead of letting the Spirit of God show us what time it is. So, so that begs the question, what is happening? What's happening? What's going on in the world? In our time, in this season. Well, I was praying. I was asking God. I said, God, what's going on? And you know, this word kept coming to me. You know what the word was? Unraveled. Somebody say unraveled. The world. You want to know what's happening? You know what? You want to know what's happening in our time and in this season? The world has come unraveled. The, the, the world ha has fallen apart. And, and you know when you take a, some yarn and you start pulling it apart, it gets all tangled up and gets in knots. And I believe those knots are, are an indicator of what we look like on the inside. The world fell apart around us and we're all tied up in knots. Can I just tell you that God is trying to untie your knots by getting rid of your knots. Because we've been so disappointed about God has not done this. God has not done it the way I thought he should. God did not come through in the way I wish he would have. My, and those knots have got us tied up in knots. And our world is falling apart. But I believe that God is telling us that there's a different way that he wants us to come unravel. You say, what do you mean? Well, in, in Luke chapter 2, 47, there's, there's, there's two different unravelings. 
It says in the NIV, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. The word amazed is existeme. They were astonished. They were beside themselves. Or you could say they were unraveled. Somebody say unraveled. But then look at the next verse, verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. That word astonished or amazed is stunned. It's ekleso in the Greek. And it means so astonished that you're overwhelmed or you could say unrivaled. And they were anxiously searching. That word anxious is frantic. It's a verb, and it, and it means to experience mental, spiritual pain, to be pained, or to be distressed. So you have two types of unraveling. One, Jesus is teaching, and they get unraveled at his revelation. The other, mom and dad lost him. And they get unraveled at not being able to find him. I don't know about you parents, but has anybody ever lost a child? Chris and I are going to tell the truth and shame the devil. We left every one of our children at church at some time or another. They're adults. They all had to go to counseling, I'm sure, to get over it. But I, we would get home. Chris would say, Where's such and such child? I thought you had him. No, I thought you had him. And we frantically came unraveled trying to find out where our child was. Okay. Anybody besides us? We're in good company. Mary and Joseph did this. I thought you had it. No, I thought you had it. And they freak out. Watch this. These people were unraveled in verse 47 because of the word or revelation of Jesus. These people are freaked out because they've lost him. That is a picture of the American church. While we are over here, there are people that God is showing up. Can I come to tell you that God is, Jesus is giving revelation. Do you know he's showing up to Muslims in obscure places? Jesus is revealing himself and they're getting unraveled with no preaching of the gospel, just angelic visitations. Jesus showing up to people. Do you know there's people that are getting saved? There's people that are getting healed. There's people that are getting delivered. There's marriages being restored. There's drug addicts coming off track. There's prodigals coming home. There are great things happening and some people are getting unraveled in his presence while other people are freaking out because I lost Jesus. I thought you had him. Our programs aren't working. In verse 50 it says this. But they did not understand what he was saying. You know what that word saying is? Rhema to them. Some people are missing God's rhema because they're 
reeling and unraveling. So watch this. Here's the two kinds of unraveling. Number one, some people are unraveling and reeling in pain. The word reeling is not knowing if you're coming or going. The quality of being unsteady or unbalanced. A state of shock. Under the influence. Dizziness. Movement. One who's tipsy. Circling and stuck. So some people are unraveling and reeling in pain. But watch this. At the same time we see in our text, there's other people who are unraveled as they revel in his presence. Which kind of unraveling are you going to experience? Are you going to reel in pain of the events of the last three years? Are you going to revel in his presence and receive fullness of joy? The word revel is to enjoy yourself in a lively or boisterous way. To take delight. To live a life of luxury. The abundant life. To feel great satisfaction. So life unravels and wants to leave you reeling, but as kingdom citizens, watch this, our unraveling comes as we revel in Him. And as we revel in Him, we get unraveled, not on the out. The world is unraveling on the outside, but we're coming unraveled on the inside in His presence. While other people, the world is unraveling out here. They're trying to hold it all together, but they're falling apart inside. You get to choose which way you fall apart. You can fall apart because of pain, or you can fall apart because of his presence. Why don't we want to do that, pride? See, David said, I'll get more undignified than this. You know, just a few moments ago, I don't know about you, but I started coming unraveled in his presence. The worship team took us to the throne. Pastor came up and he said, take a minute to tell him he's worthy. And I just blocked all of you out. And I went to the throne of Jesus and I started coming undone because I can't get in his presence and stay the same. When I get in his presence, something happens. I got to shout. I got to dance. I got to kneel. I got to cry. I got to laugh. I got to do something. Why? Because I'm undone at his goodness. What if we're willing to get undone in his presence, reveling in his goodness, enjoying him, taking delight in him? Sometimes it may be clapping and dancing and shouting, but sometimes it's getting still. Sometimes you've got to be still enough to know that God is still. He's still healing. He's still working. He's still making a way because he's a way maker. See, something supernatural happens inside of us when we do that. Now listen, that's what's happening. Now what are we going to do with it? And, and in about the next five minutes, I'm going to just give you some things that I believe need to be our response. See, when the world gets unraveled, they develop a more or less mentality. More or less. We live in a more or less, more or less world.
Are you, are you a football fan? More or less. For us Cowboys fans, you better develop a more or less attitude. Or you're going to live a life of disappointment. And I'm, 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 a, I'm a lifelong Cowboys fan. But, but, but after a while, you're just kind of like, oh, more or less. Do you love your job? Ah, oh, more or less. You excited about your future? Ah, oh, more or less. Are you a churchgoer? Ah, oh, more or less. Do you follow Jesus? Ah, oh, more or less. We've got to get rid of our more or less mentality, and we've got to develop a more and less mentality. See, more or less leads to mediocrity, but more and less leads to a kingdom dynamic where we understand that, that, that once I come unraveled in His presence, I come to a point of decision and that point of decision will not allow me to be lackadaisical. It won't allow me to want... Listen, wandering around is okay if you're talking about the mall. It's not okay if you're talking about life. You can wander through the wall, don't wander through life. You can have mediocrity when it comes to sports, but you can't have mediocrity when it comes to the supernatural things of the kingdom of God. So, so listen, we've got to be a people who say, we're not going to have more or less mediocrity. We're going to have more and less intentionality. So God is speaking to us and he's saying, I want more of this. And I want less of this. Because how many of you realize when you get more, then you have more? You can only fill a cup so far. Something, if you want to change what's in it, some things have to come out so some new things can come in. And I believe that's the season we're in. So, so can I just tell you some things that I think are going to be more and less? If you notice, more comes down because the kingdom, the way more, the way up is down. The way to get more is less. The way to be great is to be a servant. The way to have more is to give more away. And less leads to increase because as we do less in certain areas, we get an increase in other areas. We have an artist in our church and when we were talking about this more and less mentality. She said, when there's a certain type of art that the artist starts painting and they don't know what the picture's going to look like. They just paint one stroke at a time and the picture emerges. What if we were so spirit-filled that we let Holy Spirit paint a picture through us where he just said, stroke here, stop. Stroke here, stop. Stroke here, stop. Fill this in here, stop. Fill this in over here, now stop. And we were so spirit-led that a picture emerged that was a beautiful masterpiece out of our life because we were so led by the Spirit that we painted something glorious out of our life. I'm going to give you a couple of things that this is not all inclusive. I'm going to ask the keyboard player to come back. It's going to give you hope. I'm going to give you this list. We're going to pray. 
Here's some things. It's not all inclusive. I'm just priming the pump. First of all, I believe we need to be more spirit-led and less strategy-driven. Thank, thank you, Pastor. We need to be more spirit-led. You know, you can't shove the dove. Holy Ghost don't push. He leads. And the dove don't shove. So, so we need to learn how to be spirit-led. Look, I'm all for strategy, but God's the great strategist. But we'll be spirit-led. We can have strategy. But if we're strategically driven, we might not have the spirit. Let that sink in. Second one, we need more simplicity and less complexity. A few years ago, Chris and I came to the crisis of our life and we slammed on the brakes. We didn't tap the brakes, we slammed on the brakes. Why? Because we realized our life was too complex. Like Pastor said, just listen, all the things I was doing made him tired. It made me really tired. I had three full-time jobs. I gave up one of them. Pastoring the church. Why? Because we live in a world trying to make our life complex. We need, we need more shalom and less stress. Shalom is peace. The world is stressed out. Have you ever noticed? Everybody's stressed out. Like, just everybody's on high stress alert. We need more shalom, more peace. Here, here's a good one. We need more solitude and less isolation. See, there's a cry for the solitude, but we should never be isolated. We need, we need, we need to, to learn how to spend time alone in the presence of God but never be isolated from the people of God. Jesus flowed in and out of, of, of being in solitude, but he never lived a life of isolation. I'll just throw a few more out there. Just start playing those, those people, those beautiful fake ivories wherever you're ready, brother. <laughs> this guy is amazing, by the way. He was so anointed. I leaned over to Pastor Tangy and I said, That dude, he's carrying the juice. He's carrying the oil. Let me throw it, let me throw a few more out to you. I'm going to pray. We need to be more spirit intoxicated and less into success intoxicated. We need to be more. More intoxicated by the Spirit and less intoxicated by success. We need more shaking from heaven and less shaking from earth. We need more investing and less wasting. We need to be more outrageous in our praise and have less outrage at our problems or our politics. We need more creating and less consuming. We need more extravagance and less waste. We need more contribution and less competition. We need, here's a great one. If you're taking these notes, I know I'm throwing right there faster. If you're taking notes, you write this down. We need more cruciformity and less cultural conformity. We need to be more conformed by the cross than we are, are formed by culture. Here, here's one. We need more church and less church. 
That'll hit you on Tuesday. <laughs> we need more connection and less connection. The pastor talked about small groups. Get in a small group. Why? You need more connection, but we need less social media connection. We need more focus and less focus. Say, Pastor Wayne, you keep repeating yourself. I'm really worried that there's something going on up there that ain't quite right. I'm going to have more focus and less focus. More focus on the right things and less focus on the wrong things. Here's the last one I'll give you. We need more love and less love. Now I'm really worried about you. More agape, less filio. More God kind of love, less love of other things. More love for Jesus and his presence, less love of the things of this
Right, more. Somebody say more. And less. And then let the Holy Spirit tell you. And I don't know who this is for, but I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit say, if you'll do that, there'll be one key that unlocks a whole new dimension. Some business person is going to unlock a whole new dimension in your business. Somebody who's wanted to start businesses and didn't know how, it's going to unlock a whole dimension for you. Some parent, it's going to unlock a whole new dimension in your children. Some married couple who's on the verge of divorce, you're struggling, it's going to open up healing in your marriage. Somebody say, more and less! I'm going to hand it back to Pastor. Thank you for letting me come be me. A crazy text. We have... We have a couple of books back there. Uh, my wife has a book called Mind Renovation. We've had 11-year-olds read it. We've had PhDs in psychology read it and, and everybody in between. And they've all said, it has transformed the way I think. It is, it's, tra it's transformational thought processes. It's not just for women, guys. I had a pastor two weeks ago say, I got this book and it, it restored my mental health. It was so powerful. He, he was halfway into it. He said, it's restoring my mental health. He's a senior pastor in Oklahoma. So, so that book's back there. My book called Hooperman is back there, Transforming to a Life Beyond Limits. Uh, I'd love it if you would pick those up so I don't have to cart them home. And I trust they'll be a blessing to you. Thank you, Prince Church. Chris and I love you. There's nothing you can do about it. Come on, give Pastor Duane a hand. Awesome. I'm just going to grab on that word of supernatural move of God in this region. That's what we've been praying for, Pastor Dwayne. We've been pleading and we've been praying, expecting, awakening. For too long, the church thought a revival was going to come through politics. Change in our nation will not come through a political order. It will come through the church. Amen. Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. You don't hear with your natural ears, you hear with your heart. If you ever look at that word heart, it's spelled H-E-A-R-T. In the middle of that word is the word ear. The first four letters of that word is hear. You hear with the ear of your heart. When you get in prayer, you begin to hear God speak things into your heart that your natural ear sometimes can't comprehend. But I believe there's a revival coming to this region. Just as they planted the cross on the north end of Virginia Beach, I believe the cross is going to be planted in the hearts and lives of men and women. Amen. I believe that's happening. Give the Lord a hand. Come on, give him a hand. Clap up. God is good. And he's good all the time. I want you to be seated before we leave. We want to do something. Last couple couple weeks ago, Pastor said to watch this.